the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Well, the first thing I'm, I'm thinking, Larry, is I can't, I can't imagine another time in the history of our government run by Democrats or Republicans where you have a major cabinet official who's just gone missing. Uh, we have to remember that Joe Biden ran on restoring basic decency and order to the White House. That was his entire claim uh, to be elected president in the first place. They promised good government. What they've delivered is a missing secretary. How, how do you lose the secretary of defense? How do you lose the Secretary of Defense? And as of this morning, we still don't know why he's in the ICU at Walter Reed. That is Secretary J.D. Vance again. A Sorry, Senator J.D. Vance, a former Marine, by the way, asking a very pertinent question, a question that, uh, well, our enemies will be looking at very, very closely. Let's dive deeply into this issue, what it means not just for politics, and for the state of command and control inside the administration, but from national security perspectives that affect you. There really is no one better to discuss this than a man who rose to the cabinet level in the Trump administration as the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, who prior to that, in the Pentagon, probably had the toughest job outside of the Oval Office, which is to make sure that all our soldiers, airmen, marines, coast guards are ready for war. He's a very good friend of the show. He's now with the American First Policy Institute. He's senior strategic advisor for Newsmax. Secretary Robert Wilkie, welcome to America First. Good to see you. Um, Very difficult subject for the world and for the United States. So uh, you said something before we started that there there is, of course, the much hallabaloo around John Ashcroft when he was in hospital and his deputies and a certain signing of a document under the Bush administration. But you have a story to tell about Bob Gates, a prior Secretary of Defense. So I was Assistant Secretary of Legislative Affairs, and it's important for people to realize that uh, Barry Goldwater... um, change transformed the Department of Defense uh, in 1986, passed the Goldwater Act, Goldwater Act, which did a couple of things. One, it removed the chairman of the Joint Chiefs from the chain of command and created two national command authorities, the president and the secretary of defense. Um, And let me give you a number before I get into the particulars, 15 minutes. That's how much warning time a secretary of defense will have if a missile comes out of Pyongyang or Russia or Iran, or China. Um, We have never had, since President Truman created the Defense Department, a Secretary of Defense go AWOL. So let me give you the example that that I use, having lived through this once. As Assistant Secretary of Legislative Affairs, I was informed in the evening that Secretary Gates had slipped on ice and destroyed his shoulder. I was tasked, it was my writ, to inform immediately 
the leaders of the Congress that the secretary had hurt himself. First of all, he's not going to show up at a hearing. Uh, that he may require surgery, but plans are in place if that occurs for the deputy to step in. Um, as a Trump cabinet official, we had a two-pronged system. Uh, I had to go to uh, Walter Reed for Achilles surgery. Uh, we informed two offices. We informed the cabinet secretary, and we informed the chief of staff. So people knew where you, you were, were as a cabinet member. And in the Trump world... If you walked into the cabinet secretary's office, and she was responsible for maintaining contact with all of us, she had a massive chart on the wall with our pictures, and pictures where we were at any time, anywhere on the planet, so that the president knew whom to touch. Um, the, the, the problem here is obviously you have removed one of the national command authorities. Now, the Biden foreign policy is such a mess that nobody, nobody notice. took notice of it. Right. Um, but you said something in the intro. The world is watching, and we are ripe. And, 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 and I, I said this uh, yesterday to a national television audience. One of the most important memories I have as a child, or as a youngster, actually, a young teenager, I was at a JV football game the week after the hostages were taken in Tehran, a football game right outside of Fort Bragg. And I can remember the, the history teachers sitting in front of me. One of them said, anybody who wants us can have us. And that stuck with me. Explain what he meant. So we had... Maybe a bit she, younger. She was, she was talking about the capture... Of hundreds of Americans. Of, of hundreds of Americans right. in Tehran... Uh, by the so-called students of the Ayatollah. I mean, they were professional revolutionaries. Yeah. And America was held hostage, the toothless giant. And remember this community that I'm talking about is the home of the All-American Division, the 82nd Second Airborne, Airborne, the Special Forces of the United States Army. Today it's a much bigger uh, footprint because it has this Joint Special Operations Command. These were the most decorated and the, the, the elite of the army, certainly in the 1970s. And they were just a toothless tiger. And, and no sooner had that happened than, and you and I have talked about this, this massive billboard went up outside the entrance to Fort Bragg that said, Iran, let our people go. We'd become this mendicant, yeah. be begging the theocratic fanatics to let our people go. And we had, God bless him, he's not doing well right now, Mr. Carter, in the White House. But let me just finished. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between Mr. Carter and Mr. Biden. Mr. Carter genuinely loves America. Well, and served in the Navy as a boomer. Served in the Navy, right. but he also, and it is to his credit, he had an epiphany. He said, I was wrong. You know, he made that speech at Notre Dame about the inordinate fear of communism. And he did put in train the B-1 bomber, Minuteman II, yeah. uh, Abrams tank, didn't save his presidency, but it gave Reagan the base. Um, but but Senator Vance is right. This has never happened 
in, in America, in the post-World War II nuclear America. Now, I don't want you to give away anything that's sensitive, yeah. but the mainstream legacy media is saying, well, it doesn't really matter because if we need to go to war, you don't need the Secretary of Defense. The president can do it by himself. But, but my reaction is, you don't even know where he is. No. And, and then his deputy is on vacation in right. Puerto Rico. I mean, the, the whole thing is risible. The, the scenario that I gave you for the Trump cabinet is all about redundancy. Redundancy in the system, it's a fail-safe right. uh, where everybody is, is in on the plan and you don't have any gaps in the event of... Um, this is the mainstream media that was so vigilant it didn't even notice the guy was gone uh, and didn't notice that we had a transportation secretary who went away for two months. Um, you know, in my case, because the media was so hostile to the president and to all of us, if I didn't have anything on my official schedule, the Washington Post and the New York Times would descend on our press people. Where is he? Why isn't he doing his job? Yeah. Yet... This crowd, in fact, we just had a, he's no longer at VA, a deputy who'd come into Washington, deputy secretary, once a month. He lived in Denver. You know, this is the Biden administration. This Biden administration. Um, but the professionals are in charge. Yeah. But this is on top of, and here's the, the, the kicker. This is on top of Americans being attacked 110 times. Yes. And this administration begging, begging with a, the massive carrier task force in the Red Sea, begging people like Spain to send frigates so we could have the patina of international support when Americans are being hurt. Um, go back to my high school, junior high school. Anybody who wants us can have us. Yeah. And that's the road these people are, are, are on. And... Um, Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. But but the broader point or, 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 the, or the meta point is so well taken that for all his weaknesses as a statesman, it is clear that Carter loved America and was a patriot. He got it wrong. He didn't know how to lead, but he, he didn't hate America. That's the big difference today, that we live in this bizarre modern age where the leaders of Western nations detest their own country. And when, when you detest your own country and are incompetent... That is a witch's brew. You mentioned uh, 1986 and the Goldwater Nichols Act that really changed the personnel structure for the uniformed military and also the chain of command, uh, the role of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Could you give us your take? Because it is deemed to have 
created simplistically the the inter-service jointness, the purpleness of the modern military. Some will say that had its downsides with rotations in and out of billets that took officers away from their primary mission. Now that we've had 50 years of this act, where do we stand? Does it have to be tweaked? Give us your take, because you were responsible for readiness. Right. Well, I think it does need uh, a relook and a revision. But let's talk about what set it up. If anybody wants to see it uh, in the flesh, Clint Eastwood's movie Heartbreak Ridge, the scene where they hit Grenada. That was originally supposed to be the 82nd Airborne Division, but the commander then didn't like the language. And told Eastwood to take a hike. And the oh, Marine, really? Then the Marine Corps said, we'll do it. And the, this famous scene where the, the young lieutenant is trying to call in fire. Yeah. His communications are shot. He can't talk to the ship. So he uses a credit card to call back. In this case, he called back to Camp Lejeune. But in real life, they call back to Fort Bragg. That was why we lost people. We lost SEALs. I think more SEALs in one accident than in the history of that force when they dropped them into surf without the right intelligence and so many of them drowned and and also desert one correct and uh i don't i don't know the the, the impact of the failed mission in desert one One. yes desert one yes 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 absolutely um but grenada was the tipping point because we were taking on cuban Ragtag Cubans and what do I have? So what was the mission of, of Goldwater, of the act? Goldwater Nichols was to modernize the rivalry. I mean, Harry Truman said he realized that if the Navy and the Army had spent more time fighting the Japanese than themselves, then the war would have been over in 1943. So that, that dreaded uh, DC phrase, interoperability. Interoperability. And Goldwater believed that. And it was necessary at the time. But it fundamentally changed the personnel system. People like my father could spend an entire career on one street at Fort Bragg. It just changed the color of their beret. It was either red or green. And explain, for example, that kind of career path. So at one end of Ardennes Street is the 82nd Airborne. At the other end is the United States Army Special Forces, the JFK School for Special Warfare, what have you. And then there's the 18th Airborne Corps headquarters. This is in the 70s. So you could spend, you didn't have to go to Washington. Right. Goldwater Nichols wanted people who could be um, comfortable in the highest echelons of power. My, coming to coming to, to D.C. Yes, coming to billets to D.C. Right. My read on what has happened is that we've taken, one, too many people away from the force. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen careers where once these folks become colonels, they spend more than half of their career inside that ugly building. Yeah. And they lose touch, and they become prey to the town. They well, become, and in many cases, they become political actors. They become very political actors, not in the traditional sense that George Marshall or Dwight no. Eisenhower knew how to navigate the halls of Congress or what have you, the bureaucracy. And, and that leads to the politicization of the Corps, of the officer corps. And um, I think we need to take a really close look at that. The other thing that the first, the National Security Act of 47 that Goldwater Nichols did, it really made eunuchs of the service secretaries. I mean, they give speeches. Yeah. I mean, their mission is to organize, train, and equip. But you have these massive bureaucracies that go with these people. You have the massive bureaucracy of the joint staff. 
And then you have the combat. Uh, and then the you have the bureaucracies of the co- combatant commanders. And, and I'm not making this policy statement as a definitive statement of how I think. But it's interesting that Franklin Roosevelt conducted a global war, 15 million Americans under arms. And the Navy was in charge of the Pacific, and the Army was in charge yeah. of Europe. Yeah. Now, there were certain sub-commands, but right. really it was Admiral King and Admiral Nimitz who were running the right. Pacific, and General Marshall and General Eisenhower running Europe. Um, a much simpler chain of command, and you didn't have these intervening bureaucracies. So talk to me about secretaries. Do we need secretaries? Um, each Service day, secretaries. Yeah, each day that goes by, I really question the need um, we either get rid of them, but if we get rid of them, we need to to restore power to the chiefs so they actually have real jobs. Yeah. Now they're going to say that's terrible. He said real jobs. Well, <laughs> they they're advisors. Yeah. They don't have any command and control. It's so odd because for me, one of my colleagues was General Ospina at National Defense University. Yeah who was in uniform as a general, not just the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, if you will. He was the commander of Colombian forces. Right. There was political control. Sure. But he was the most effective commander at a time when FARC was brought to its knees right. because you had one man with one military vision. Right. We, we need to really think about the play. And, you know, President Truman was faced with that in 47. What do I do? Because we had a War Department and a Navy mm. Department. Now we have a United States Air Force. But we create the Department of Defense, his attempt to make them joint. Yeah. Uh, but you never really did anything with them. Right. I think of the service secretary as the only one who actually has an operational responsibility. The Secretary of the Air Force, because he has certain responsibilities for satellites. Mm. Uh, but other than that, let's do a little bit of red teaming, which is this this um, new function that or, you know the the forces have in America, whereby, for those who aren't familiar with it, there's somebody next to the commander who has to think like the enemy. What does what is the measure they have taken of America after? The surrender of Kabul, the statement before the invasion of Ukraine, it depends, uh, let me paraphrase Biden, uh, our response will depend upon uh, what, type of invasion? what type of invasion it is. Yeah. Then we see the, oh, I mean, we can put to aside Israel's inability to, prevent, to, to uh, predict or detect October 7th. We have 17 intelligence agencies. We didn't see it with billions of dollars of assets. And then the latest news of just a few days ago, the fact that Iran is likely on the cusp of nuclear capability. How worried should people who, even those who don't follow international affairs, be with regard to the last three years, Secretary? Well, President Trump said it for all of us that we have to pray that these next 11 months go by quickly. Um, because the world has taken the measure of Mr. Biden. And, you know, we don't even have to get into his ham-handed approach to military affairs. This is a man who was censured by the mother of parliament. Yeah. Can you you tell people the story? So the withdrawal from Afghanistan, Her Majesty, as she was queen at the time, lost 450 troops in Afghanistan, They were the second largest contingent after the United States. 
Biden pulls out without the good grace to tell Boris Johnson he's leaving. So I need to repeat that for those who didn't get that. We did not tell our closest ally in Europe that we were leaving Afghanistan. We didn't inform the British. Um, the ramshackle approach, the fact that the British, uh, we still don't know if how many, if they lost SAS types, getting their people out after Biden bugged out. The Parliament, the House of Commons, both Labour and the majority Conservatives, voted to censure the President of the United States. Now put that in historical context. George Washington led a rebellion against George III. He was successful. George III said he might be the greatest man in history. There was no censure by William Pitt and those giants who were in Parliament at the time of George Washington. But Mr. Biden made history. Um, they're doing the calculation, and I think Taiwan needs to be on guard. Um, I do think that the Houthis will continue to press. And think about this. The, the prime directive for America's Navy and Marine Corps, really since Thomas Jefferson, has been to maintain the freedom of the seas, what Jefferson called the global, global commons. So much so that Jefferson, who was at his heart not very fond of standing armies or big navies, when the first Islamic anti-American terrorists threatened American commerce in the Mediterranean, imprisoned American sailors, the Barbary pirates. took the Barbary pirates. And by the way, Jefferson as an ambassador and Adams as an ambassador visited Mr. Abdurrahman in London who was the emissary of the Barbary pilots, said, why are you doing this to us? We have no history. It said, because the book tells us you're an infidel. You can actually read those you letters. You can read those letters. Um, Jefferson dispatched the entire Navy and what was the entire Marine Corps and leveled Tripoli. Do you want to play this game? And these frigates and a couple of ships of the line showed up and just leveled the place. Yeah. The, the shores of Tripoli. A couple of Marines. Uh, we could have... Uh, dedicated the whole of this hour to the next question instead of, you know, issues such as the Secretary of Defense disappearing for prostate cancer screening and not telling anybody else in the administration. But I have to ask it anyway, despite the limited amount of time we have. On my show on Sunday, Secretary, I told the story of a young midshipman I just met on New Year's Eve who shocked me with the stories of ideological indoctrination at the Naval Academy, where he is right now, how they are forced before they're allowed to eat to do a four-minute drill where they have to discuss topics such as microaggression and rape culture at the academies, how uh, marine officers cry in front of them in class as they're discussing the latest hot ideological topic of the day. So my question to you is, I, I know... You know, Team Trump is working assiduously to make sure we have a plan to go day one. We have the right people in place at the Pentagon and elsewhere. But as somebody who knows the inside of the officer corps so well, can you just give us, without sacrificing, you know, things that need to be kept confidential, how do we fix the ideological epidemic in the officer corps? Well, we, um, we change the trajectory of the officer corps. Now, well, I should say on day one, the president, President Trump will say, 
DEI is gone. If I hear of anyone Promoting. teaching it, it's gone. All the people who um, worked in that world are gone. Um, but we need to restore the, the sense that um, this is not, civilian standards of fairness do not apply in this business. Yeah. This is a profession. It is not a jobs program. Um, but we need to clean house at the academies, uh, not so much in ROTC, because most of the kids who come through the ROTC are coming from places like Clemson University, LSU, Texas A&M. Um, you know, most of the officers come from 11 or 12 states. I'm not worried about them at the second lieutenant level when they get in. I'm worried about what is done to them once they get in. I just saw, uh, I think it was from Fort Sill, um, first day for the basic course, which is where the, the young second lieutenants, in fact, my father ran the basic course for the artillery school back in the 60s. And the first, the second 30 minutes was on use of pronouns. What tools do we have because as the Secretary of Veterans Affairs, you did some quite incredible things yeah. there. Yeah. There is this conventional wisdom that bureaucrats, yeah. right. uh, you know, I- immovable government employees or even the military are there for life until they've hit 23. Right. Uh, do we have tools? We, we do, but we need a president who says use those tools. Um, I don't know who said it. It it it, it may have it, it it may it may have been Rumsfeld. That the sad thing that you must display as a leader in an organization as complex as Pentagon's is you're willing to fire people. Yeah. Not fire them for the sake of firing them, but firing them if they don't perform. We've got too many of these characters who have failed up, and. Um, there, I can say that if Mr. Trump, who's true to his word when it comes to personnel, there'll, there'll be a house cleaning. And the message will be, just as General Marshall had a message, but for different reasons. He was dipping down into the lower ranks, replacing the inefficient, yeah. the out of shape. He turned the army on its head. That's how we got Patton. And Eisenhower right. and Bradley and Ridgeway. Do we have the raw material in uniform to do what they did and what Reagan did? We do, particularly with the field grade and company grade officers. It's what anybody Goldwater, below 05. Yeah, it, it's what the goal. It's what Goldwater Nichols has done to those above. Now they're always good people. Don't get me wrong. Um, there are patriots out there, but. This administration has set about politicizing the entire general officer corps. When you have an Air Force general who violates Article 88 of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, which says that you will be dismissed from the service if you hold in contempt, public contempt, state officials, federal officials, state laws, and then she and several of the others stand up and say that these states are a threat to her and to her service. Um, and, and what about, for example, former chairmen of the Joint Chief, uh, no. who said uh, their job was to uh, protect America from the Commander in Chief? What happens to the likes of Mark Milley? Well, I, I don't know what happens to the likes of Mark Milley, but I think his signature statement that 
he was dedicated to weeding out white rage or understanding yep. it. The Pentagon's own report said they found less than 100 cases. Right. Now, they also went back to 2012, <laughs> looked at all the courts martial. There were 20 courts martial since 2012 for extremism. 19 of those were gang-related. One wow. was political. And I'll give him credit. There were Clinton administration officials on that study who signed it and said that this ideological extremism on the part of the leadership is killing the military. Fascinating. Secretary Wilkie, I, I'm going to um, take the liberty of asking you something personal because you strike me as of the same caliber of individual as another cabinet member who is a good friend of the show and a personal friend, and that's Secretary uh, Ben Carson, Dr. Yes. Ben Carson. That's, that's a very high compliment. Well, I mean it. I mean it sincerely. And, and for the particular reason, I, I don't expect you to do any uh, brain surgery for me right now, but you are men who comport yourselves with honor and understand the meaning of the word loyalty. My friend Chris Plant has a saying about the left that they've been very successful in making sure that decent conservatives never consider working in a Republican administration. We've got a minute and a half. I want to ask you, why do you do what you do and maintain the belief system and commitment that you have? It's where I was raised. Uh, I was raised amongst heroes. I saw, uh, and this is not to be melodramatic, I saw the cost of maintaining freedom in my own house. I had a father who was a huge man, 6'2", 240. After a year in hospital following wounding in Cambodia, the next time we saw him, he weighed 125 pounds. Wow. Carried lead in his body the day he died. And I saw sacrifices. Growing up in England and, and seeing in beautiful places like Bath, the fragment marks on the beautiful buildings of the Royal Crescent from the Luftwaffe bombs. Mm. And being in Israel and seeing how fragile that little piece of land is. And that really appreciating that this Lincoln was this really is the last best hope. I mean, I mean Churchill could sit here and talk about the human story being... Um, a story of calumnies and tragedies. But, you know, with that Anglo-American tradition, the world had a lot of had hope, um, a model for what's good and decent. And uh, Rich Lowry had a piece, I think today, where he talked about those on the left. No, it was Jared Baker in the Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. a new American. The left hates America. I've been saying it on this show for five years. We love America. They hate it. It's not parties. It's love and hate. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.